Welcome to Culture Eats Strategy. Eats Strategy. With your host, entrepreneur Jamie J. Jamie J. On this podcast, we unpack the most powerful, intangible culture. Culture. Culture is way more than a mission statement or words on a wall. It's how a company behaves. It's what informs every decision, action, and reaction. Culture is the invisible hand, the true north that guides every organization. And if you create a legendary culture, you will build a legendary company. A legendary company. Now, here he is, Jamie J. Jamie J. Well, hello there. It's Jamie J. Um, an episode of Culture Eat Strategy coming your way today with Eric Bergman. Um, I've been talking with Eric, and as of the time of this recording, he's literally in Malta. I'm here in Springfield, Missouri, um, and it's fantastic to be, um, I just am blown away with technology and where that's coming from. And, and the reason I'm bringing this up is because uh, we're going to be talking about, you all know me, you all know uh, that I have uh, virtual assistants, and um, our internal team is 100% remote, and so I can't. I'm so excited to talk to Eric about this because his team is remote and we're going to talk about culture and, and how to improve that in a, in a remote-based environment. We're also going to touch on uh, radical transparency and self-setting salaries and what this has an effect on culture. And uh, I, I can't wait to jump into that. But before I introduce Eric to you, I want to remind you that if you are feeling overwhelmed, um, you're missing appointments, you're forgetting things, you're, you're, you're just the bane of your existence is, is the mundane details of your day-to-day operations. Uh, think about the possibility of hiring an administrative assistant to help uh, get, you know, take care of the things that just really do not give you energy. And you can go to bottleneck.online to learn more about that in full transparency, uh, almost radical transparency. Uh, this is my company. Uh, so I want to make sure that you understand that. But I am just a big fan of what we have going on here. So go check it out, bottleneck.online. And uh, without any further ado, I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and introduce Eric Bergman, who is the co-founder of Katena. Is it Katena? Close Eric? enough. Katena. <laughs> okay. Katena, Katena Media, a company that went from get this, zero to 300 plus employees in under five years. That's mind boggling. And under this journey, Eric made more money than he will ever need in his life. But at the expense of burning himself out, as well as his both business partner and his fiance that also worked as the company. Now he started the company great.com. And this time the focus isn't extreme growth, rather well-being, transparency, trust, and flexibility for the team and where 100% of the profits a hundred percent of the profits will be donated to charity. So how can you run a long-term large scale business where well-being is the learning purpose? This is what we're going to, it's just amazing. Eric, uh, welcome to Culture Eats Strategy. Thank you so much for taking the time out. Thank you so much for having me, Jamie. I'm really looking forward to this. This is, this is mind boggling what you've been able to do. And you know what, when I, my slogan here at Culture Eat Strategy is leading with kindness. Uh, I, and if, many people know that was a struggle for me. Um, my fiance thought that maybe it was too soft. Uh, people wouldn't respect it enough and maybe come with something a little bit harder, you know. But I actually appreciate the leading with kindness. And it sure sounds to me or seems to me like this is 
something that you practice? I definitely practice it today. So I would say that I haven't in the past. I got to the point of, of where I am by working too hard, by pushing people too hard, by pushing myself too hard, by being greedy in many ways. And I did not like what, what that made of me or what, where it took me or how I felt during that. So now I'm trying to do things in a completely different way where a leading with kindness could definitely be headline for what we're doing now, but not for what I did in the past. So what were some, maybe before I hop into the radical transparency, I want to really talk about that first. What were some of the biggest things you learned from where you were to where you are now? It's a big question. Some of it the is. biggest things I learned, Jen. From, from a leader's point of view, from you know, a cultural uh, leadership. Yeah, so from a cultural leadership perspective, I learned that all shortcuts come with a price. Mm. So, for example, one of the things where, where we'll go into is transparent salaries. And on one of the reasons why that's very close to my heart is that previously I've been treating people very unfairly because I've been able to hide behind secrecy. So I've had, had this very clear memory in my mind where two people in my team have very different salaries. And it's actually the person who has the lower salaries who is the best performer. But the lowest salaries is also the person who is the worst at negotiating. Hence, mm. they got that salary. And I gave myself a bigger piece of the pie because of this. And I could see them suffering when this actually came out in the opening. I could see myself suffering from this. I could see what it did to the culture of the team and, and all the other struggles around it. And it all came from me being tempted of treating someone unfairly because I could. So one way of stopping that now then is to make sure that all salaries are fully transparent. If everyone knows what everyone makes, I cannot make that shortcut and neither can anyone else. Gotcha. And I think that, so in this specific example, I made a little extra money by paying someone a little less salary than maybe they were worth. But in the end of the day, it bite me in the ass and became a very expensive lesson. And it was way not worth it. So just knowing that whatever shortcut I've been taking, it comes with the expense mm -hmm. in one way or another. So I'd say that's one of the main things that I've learned building something from zero to 300 people in, in five years takes a lot of personal sacrifice Ooh. and it's shortcuts. I, I didn't sleep. I had whiskey every night before I went to bed so I could, could fall asleep because it was overworked. Uh -huh. Once again, obviously that's a shortcut that comes with the, with the price. So yeah, stress yeah. and all that. Yeah. So now, yeah, I want to do this for, I want to keep working for the next 50 years. I'm 31. I have a long time ahead of me. And then I need to have a completely different perspective on things. And yeah, leading with kindness. Man, congratulations. I mean, you're 31. It's incredible what you've done at such a young age. And it's just, like I said, it's mind boggling. When, when you talk about self-setting salaries, what, what are you talking about there? 
How do you mean? Well, you, you um, I, we were talking before that you wanted to to get into this being this radical transparency, and then it kind of went into um, setting your own salaries, self-setting salaries. Is that one of the yeah. things you're trying to accomplish? Yeah. So my my goal with how our salary culture is within our company now is to sometime in the future be able to have a team that is 100% responsible for their own salaries and sets them in a way where everyone in the team thinks that it's fair. I don't have the answer of how to do this yet, but that's my my vision, my, my intention of, of getting to. And I think it's completely possible, and I think it's more possible since... We're an organization that will give away 100% of the profits to charity. So hopefully we will attract the people that are incentivized by that purpose mm-hmm. and be able to set the salary based on their needs rather than their ego or their big personal spending habits, whatever that be, might be. But where so it's really hard to define what needs is. But when I say need, I think that People should be able to live in a good house in a safe neighborhood. They should be able to have their kids in a good school, should be able to eat whatever they want and not really look at price tags in a food store maybe. And they should not needing to worry about medical challenges or whatever and could go on vacation every now and then. But it doesn't take that much to get to this. No one should need a Ferrari or a flashy Mercedes. No Mm. one should have three houses. No one should need any of these things. And if we could create a culture where we all agree on the same kind of idea, what, what buy into that vision. Yeah. Yeah. Buy into that vision of, yeah, we have, we have what makes us happy, but we don't have a Louis Vuitton handbag. And then everyone get to decide what, what makes you happy? And hopefully we've attracted a culture, we built a culture and attracted the kind of people that have the same values of what's important to me. Where, yeah, handbags, flashy cars, whatever that might be, it's not a part of how that looks. Mm. It, 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 real quick, what is the company here? It, it, is this the one that's at great.com? Uh, yes, it's going to be on great.com. So we, great, we launched just four months ago. Okay. And we're not even live with a commercial product at the moment. So what uh, Katina has been doing, my previous business, is that it's an online marketing company based mm-hmm. on, on commission mm-hmm. and working mainly towards the finance and the gambling industry. So they work towards commission-based products for that. And oh, okay. we want to do very similar things with Great. So it's an industry where I know it very well from the beginning and I feel a responsibility of, of adjusting into these kind of products and creating something very responsible within gambling and stuff as well, because I can see the damage that I've caused from creating a marketing company in it up until now. Mm. Mm. So we're going to do similar things like that, but we're not even live with our first commercial product yet. It's going to go live this fall sometime if, if things goes according to plan. Wow. That's just, that's just brilliant. Wow, man. So what do you mean? And I like the fact that you're transparent in talking about this. And, and I, it, it really proves that culture really is powerful. Um, yeah. you, you have to have strategy, but 
you, there's no way you can get there without surrounding yourself with a good team of like-minded people that really, as we said, buy into that vision uh, that you talked about. And, and self-setting salaries, just, that's incredible um, that you're able to, to even think of something like that. When you talk about radical transparency, what are you referring to? Yeah, so one of the things are that all salaries are, are op- out in the open. So if you Google great.com salaries, you will find all our salaries right now. And you will even find the meetings where we discuss our salaries and set our salaries. And so at the moment, they're not self-set. I've kind of set them, but in agreement with the team. And, and everyone makes more or less the same amount at the moment. But when it comes to radical transparency, I also mean things like, like this. I'm, I want to share why I want to do that. I want to share that I've been very greedy in the past and I've made mistakes from that that I don't wish to do again. I don't want to put myself on a pedestal like this is something that I'm just doing for the fun of it. I'm doing it because, well, it's, I've been doing it in a bad way before. And I would love to come to a point where all our mistakes are transparent. Someone looking at in our business, especially since we will be doing charity stuff, that we have done this, this, and that mistake. So if that goes to setting salaries in the wrong way or giving away money to a charity that might not be so good. So one donation that I've done in the past, I donated $100,000 for a a charity working towards uh, trafficking. Mm. And... I did that because my heart really pounded for the cause. And then I've been looking into to it later on. And what, so they are helping, they're they saving girls from this hell on earth, which is obviously an amazing thing to do. But what I learned when I looked into it is that the effect of that is that these girls get saved, but then the people who kidnap those girls just kidnap other girls and put them in the same hell. Uh, so the donations don't really contribute. If you look at, if you zoom out and you look at the cause, it doesn't really solve anything. So my money donated there might not have caused any positive things at all. It, it might be so bad that it's actually created something worse because these first girls were possible to be rescued. So maybe they were out in the open. Maybe they got to do things outside. It might be so that next time they don't get to be out in the open, so you can't actually save them. Mm. So it might be, and I'm not saying this is true, but that the donation to that organization, even though it's a wonderful organization, is a mistake because it doesn't do much difference. Where a better donation could be to go to the root cause of this, which I believe is extreme poverty. Like No one would kidnap and sell another human being if they didn't suffer one way or another. And Mm. I think that goes down to poverty because this happens in, well, it happens all over the world, but the donations I went with to India in very poor areas. So if my donations instead were focusing on helping people that are suffering from extreme poverty, maybe that would have been a better way of even helping the girls suffering from trafficking. I don't know, but these are things I'm learning on the job and I want them to be transparent with what we learn, how we think. And if I consider this donation a mistake, why do I do that and be open with that rather than hiding it and pretending that everything is always good? 
That's amazing. Yeah, it's it's a it's a constant struggle. It, it you know what? It's nice that um, I know you're 31. You have a lot a lot of time, uh, but I, I I really appreciate what you've done. How you how you ch- completely turned your world upside down from where you were um, when you started out. It's really nice to see um, how culture has affected you. Um, and, and, and one of the big things that I like to say too, is culture is not just professional business. Culture is also personal. Um, culture is life. And I think if you live your life in this way and the beliefs that you have, whatever charity it is, I'm, I'm, I'm confident you're going to choose something that is, is going to be the most effective as you can. And of course we all, we're all learning all the time. So we're going to learn more and more and make better decisions and more informed decisions as we move along. But it, but it, it's, it's just it's amazing that you're doing something that's bigger than you, creating this ripple effect, if you will. Um, and uh, you're going to be attracting people like that so that they can set their own salaries. And, and you can do all of this because they, you're going to attract people that believe in the same type of thing. And, th- and, and that, in my opinion, uh, is, is a behavior um, demonstrated very well within culture. Uh, I just wanted to go on that little sidebar and share that because yeah, I, truly, I truly believe that too. And I like what you say with going to attract those kind of people. I'm sure that if if you think for a few seconds of someone who would be able to set their own salary and would do that really fairly, I'm positive that you could come up with at least one friend that you know that would be able to do that. And then the question just how do you attract those specific people? Because I think that all of us know those people. I for sure know a lot of those people. Yeah. And just being able to create something where those people gravitate towards it and this could be solved, at least in, in this organization. And I'm going to make a lot of mistakes trying to make this happen, but I'll, I'll make it happen sooner or later. That's okay though, right? It's totally okay. Because you're of your radical transparency. You're being transparent with everybody. And yeah. 95% of the people out there do not have this level of transparency. They're scared of it. Um, I think it's fantastic. Uh, we don't have the time today, but I have shared my stories uh, on other podcasts and things like that. And people are blown away. Wait, you what? <laughs> and <laughs> like, you know what? It's transparent. And if people don't like me for what I've done in my past, I understand that. Totally get that. Um, but I'll attract people that I want to be around that picks everything up. And yeah, so for sure. thank you for being transparent. I think that's awesome. Um, thank you. So right now your, your team is 100% remote? Yeah, so we're only six people at the moment, and we're one in Florida, two in Sweden, one in London, I'm here in Malta, and one in Thailand. Okay. So we're we're covering a big part of the globe with six people. Yeah, yeah. So I wonder if we can explore how how you're maintaining a cultural perspective, um, a vision, uh, even, even with remote staff. Yeah. So one of the main things that we are doing that I think is is different from at least anything I've been involved with before is that every meeting we have, we do it with video and on Zoom. So we have this standard setup, but we start every meeting with a check-in process, meaning that 
the word goes around and says we're only six people, it's quite easy, where everyone has anything between 30 seconds and three minutes to talk about how they're feeling today and what their energy level is from one to 100. Mm. And this way we know how to interact with each other. And if anyone is below 40, then it's like, okay, let's stop this meeting and explore why Jamie is having such a bad day. And we'll just postpone everything else Mm. because it's important to us. And then Jamie has the option of saying, okay, guys, actually, I'm fine, but I'd like to just be a ghost in this call, meaning that he'll just sit in. We're not asking him questions. We're not interacting with him, but he can just listen and be a part of it. Or he can step out of the meeting, or we can interact with him the way he does. So we spend the first 10, 15 minutes, depending on the meeting, on kind of setting the stage of how we want to interact with each other today because of where people are. And this has led to very open and vulnerable conversations around this. Oh, that's a that's brilliant. Yeah, I, I think I think meetings are are, are critical. Um, and I learned this earlier. There's a difference between meetings and briefings. And and I've, I'm I'm guilty of this, and I will never do it again. But in the past, <laughs> I have come and I said, okay, we're going to do this now in a meeting. I'm kind of shifting on what just a little sidebar here, but I. I I'm, you'll see where I'm coming here in just a second. Um, so I, I, I made an announcement on um, doing a different project. And it, it just happened that day. And I was later informed, Jamie, that was not a meeting. That was a briefing. And you should never have <laughs> briefings unless you, you know, let people know. So I know to kind of slowly ramp up when we explore new opportunities, you know, going down the road so that the team understands where you're at. Because that has a lot to do with what you said, how they feel. Uh, because that, that can be very stressful. Uh, they're coming to a meeting expecting one thing and all of a sudden Jamie flip-flops the thing on its head there and they were like, wait, what just happened? Um, it's all about expectations. Um, but I've never heard of, 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 of assigning a number based on how you feel. I think that's fantastic. It's very, very easy. Let me just get back to briefing versus meeting to see if I understood you correctly. So a meeting is that when people interact with each other and Mm -hmm. a brief is basically you interacting with them. So if you're just giving information rather than anything else. Thank you. Yes. Then then I follow. Yes. Yeah, we, to get back to the check-in. Yes, we address that as a number and it gives an opportunity for us to, to really see where people are in a very easy way. And a few times, it doesn't happen often, but people get the opportunity of saying, I'm feeling really, really shitty today and I need you by just stating a number, which is much easier to saying, if you say I'm 10 on a scale from one to 100, you're actually saying help. But it's a lot easier to say 10 than to say help. Yes. And meetings where we postpone the entire agenda and just focus on, on listening or helping and doing whatever for this person. And in my previous business, there were never an opportunity to say you're feeling shit. The, the culture was more, yeah, step into the office, leave your problems at home and do your thing. Mm-hmm. And I led by doing that. I left my problems at home. So I expected other people to do the same thing. But now I really don't want to. So we have had, we've had business meetings where half of the meeting has been me talking about my love life problems and whatever that does to a company meeting in terms of productivity, short term, probably fucks it up. 
but long term it makes me feel safe and seen and trusted in in an organization which i'm sure will boost my productivity over time as well i yeah that's why i say culture is personal and professional i think it i don't believe in a work life balance i do not believe in that wholeheartedly 100% i believe in a life balance and what you just said is the exact reason and 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 you're right it's sometimes you start talking about this and and it could be a personal thing that that and takes away from the agenda the things you need to get done and it may temporarily um, cause some some pain professionally speaking but long term oh my gosh we have um, one of one of our staff members had someone come and offer them more money than they were making and they flat out said no they just absolutely and that's culture right so they're for sure yeah it's just man yeah you nailed it I love that um, I'm going to steal that quote for you, by the way. I don't believe in work-life balance. I believe in life balance. Uh-huh. And that, when you put it that way, it's so apparent. Like Work is a very important part of life. You can't really separate the two. Nope. It makes no sense at all. It's like when people ask me how much I, I work or what I do and what's my goals with greatest and what my goals in my life is, I describe them as one. To me, it's one. That's what I want it to be and how I want it to be. And that's basically what you're saying now. If you have life, life balance, that should include work balance. Yes. Or the other why, way why, do you, why do you live in Malta? I actually just wanted to go on an adventure 10 years ago, and I never left <laughs> so, <laughs> on the adventure. Uh, it wasn't that. I, people ask me, why Malta? And I'm more like, why not? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, see, there you go. See, I, I, I want. Go ahead. Yeah. You wanted. I wanted to move to some other country in Sweden, and Malta was the only place that I knew anyone. So I went here, and I've stayed here. I'd say because of the culture, and when I mean the culture, I don't mean the Maltese culture. I mean the expat community culture. Mm. In Malta, there is tons of people from everywhere, and a lot of them are entrepreneurs. There is a lot of digital nomad people like traveling around just working with their computers and everyone is very open and friendly because no one has a set friend group so i used to live in stockholm in sweden and everyone in stockholm that i met had been friends with their friends for decades and here no one has lived here for a decade few people have lived here more than a few in a couple of years so everyone is very open to meet new people so the entire expat culture then is is very friendly, very open, very adventurous and social. And yeah, it's the culture that keeps me here more than anything else. See, I, I think that's fantastic. And it's, that's all about doing, enjoying life, right? Yeah, for sure. I think that, that's one of the reasons why uh, my fiance and I are so gung-ho on creating subscription-based models um, and, and working remotely, right? I always say the best part about my my company is I can work from anywhere that has an internet connection. And the yeah. most challenging part of the company is I can work anywhere with an internet connection. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, I think that goes for everything. That the best thing and the worst thing is very often the same thing. That yeah. it, it goes for, for your job and it goes for, for so many other things. Like I spoke to to my friend earlier today about relationships and 
Uh, so I had two single guys over for lunch and we started talking with me and my fiance and they were talking about what's their ideal woman is and what qualities they're looking for. And me and Johanna, I'm very energetic, very outgoing, very like this. And she's very, very calm. And I said, that, yeah, but the best thing and the worst thing about my relationship with Johanna is that she is my opposite in terms of energy and many other things. Like, mm. it's so frustrating for me that she doesn't do things the way I do. And it's so valuable for me that she doesn't do things the way I do. <laughs> so I think it goes, for, it goes for your work. It goes for relationship. It goes for everything. Like, personally, I believe that the best and the worst comes in the extremes, but they're always, they always have a little bit of both. Yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh. So funny, man. <laughs> well, how do, um, how do be, people get in touch with you if they want to learn more about what you're doing or to support you or help out or? Yeah, so we're having a podcast ourselves called Becoming Great, and you can find it on, on great.com. You'll find all our social uh, channels. You can reach out to me on eric at great.com, and I'd love to talk more about culture. I'm currently looking for, for someone who will be a leader for a big part of this organization and help me build this. So a business partner in this. So someone who is passionate about culture would be the ideal and believe in these things because that's going to be an essential part but it's a real product geek so that's what i'm looking for right now my biggest challenge is to find that one person who can help me build the commercial side of this business because i will be very focused on cultural and charity and outgoing other things uh, within gotcha. it so that's that's the best ways to get a hold of me at the moment. And it's Eric. It's E R I K. Is that correct? I've actually set up both to be sure. So if you want to ah. spell it E R I C, like all Americans do, <laughs> you'll reach me that way as well. I'm better safe than sorry. And congratulations on the fantastic domain! Holy cow! <laughs> Thank you. I'm very very proud of it. Yeah, yeah that's a great domain name. <laughs> it is. And the puns are endless. <laughs> You're like, I've never heard that before. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely the first time. <laughs> oh, man. Well, before we wrap up, is there anything else you would like to share or talk about or mention? Um, I would really recommend people to give a check-in process a try. I think that's, that's something that I've learned so much from how we're doing this. And it's been an opportunity of getting closer to everyone in the team where a guy in the team put his real well. His, his name is Spirit, by the way, which says a bit about him, I guess. Uh, and he says that, I love that how our company meetings in a way becomes group therapy. Mm. And I think that was beautiful because it's, that's the way I want, as you mentioned, culture with friends is about group therapy in a sense. And I love if our company can play such a role that people feel so safe being a part of that. And combining, yeah, start, I think starting with a check-in process is such a simple thing. And you could actually just say, the only thing you need to say is my energy level is between this and this. And that would be a great start and so easy for, for anyone to try out. That's so, so amazing. So, so you call it a check-in process. I, I want to do that. I want to do that in our meetings. So what we do is that uh, we start a meeting and 
well, if I'm opening the meeting, I hold up my finger and then anyone grabs the finger through the webcam in a way. And if you're holding the finger, you're, you're the one to speak. And then no one else is talking, so no one is interrupting you. And you share for anything, yeah, between 30 seconds and a couple of minutes. And when you're done, you say thank you, and you hold up your finger, and then someone else grabs it. And we grow uh, all around. And yeah, we're only six people, so it's, it's doable. It wouldn't be doable if we were 20. Yeah. But we do this in our company meetings, and we do this when we have smaller meetings. And we even do this if we're just having a meeting two people. And we're starting with that. And it's, yeah, it's, it's a very inviting thing. And yeah, we we'll put up a lot of our meetings on, on great.com that starts with this. So anyone who wants to see can just go and have a look. That's fantastic. Wow. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, check-in process. I love that. Yeah, man, I could go on this for hours, but I, I appreciate it. Thank you for sharing everything. And uh, I, just, I just appreciate you being here. And uh, I wish you all the best in, in your new adventure. It sounds amazing. Thank you for having me, Jamie. I love podcasting. It's so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. It really is. Yeah. And I'm surprised you have such a good internet connection there. You have a really good internet connection in Malta. Well, this time it works really well. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> uh, being a Swede, which is a very high technology country, I would not argue that my internet connection is very good in Malta, but right now it works very well. Oh, well, good. Well, good. So we were blessed for today then. <laughs> yeah. God wanted this call to be good. Yeah, this is awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you. Um, I'll go ahead and wrap up, but, but stay online real fast. Uh, and Eric, thank you. Um, it's, it's been amazing. Yeah. This is uh, Culture Eats Strategy, uh, Leading with Kindness, uh, with me, your host, Jamie J. And on behalf of Eric Bergman of great.com, go check it out. Uh, I really hope you enjoyed um, this this time, and 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 I would like to um, invite you, or or um, I'd like to invite you to reach out to me and let me know what you thought of this episode. Um, if you're so inclined, I'd I'd, I'd love for you to uh, head over to iTunes and and give me a, an honest review and, and a rating. Uh, that's the only way I can get better, and um, I really appreciate if you can do something like that. If you do want to reach out. Um, to Eric, uh, you can go visit great.com or Eric at great.com. And that's E R I K or for us Americans, it's E R I C. He did it both ways. That's a genius. Um, I should probably do that with my name, Jamie too, because that gets misspelled all the time. Oh, that's a great idea. I'm going to do that. Holy cow. It's a very simple thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, and one more final reminder, if you are feeling overwhelmed with the details, you want to learn more about hiring an administrative assistant, um, Go to bottleneck.online to learn more. Uh, enjoy the show um, and, and uh, enjoy your day. Thank you so much for tuning in. And um, go check out great.com with Eric Bergman. I'll leave all the links and everything in the show notes. So you can go check that out as well. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you again soon.